Welcome to the Jared Wright Podcast. I have my boy, my brother, the man, the myth, the legend, Chino Marin. How you doing today, man? What's up, dude? How you doing How you today, do? man? I'm good. Good. Friday. Good, man. Good. I'm glad to to have you on the show today. Yes, sir. Um, I've been looking forward to this. For people who don't know Chino, buckle up. <laughs> it's about to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he's going to say, what he's not going to say. Um, hide your kids, hide your wife. Um, but uh, but this is the man, and uh, this is my brother, and I love him. Uh, so Chino, man, what's um, what's going on, man? How you doing? What you what you been doing? Well, man. What you been having right. going on? What's what's up? A lot, a lot's been going on. Uh, relocated to Florida two years ago, actually. To uh, this no next month, two years ago. Wow. Uh, and still getting used to the heat, man. <laughs> that humidity sucks. Yeah, Florida, but, man. Florida is. Um, I guess we go before we get there. What made you? Because I don't know. Like, what made you move to Florida? Like, oh, so I got I got a contract out here to uh, do production um, for a you know I had a client basically. So okay, do full time production for his company and. Um, money was too good to pass up so i had to suck it up <laughs> yeah they had to move had to had to depart from jersey yeah and uh yeah. bring bring your butt down here um well congrats on that man i'm glad to have you down south makes no sense why we have not seen each other you've been here for two years and you nope, not uh, at all. And we keep saying it so we got to do it um but so today i'm gonna interview you obviously we're gonna talk see about your journey things like that at the end i know you're a big movie fan um, so I got some movie trivia questions for you. Oh, um, sticking to horror, since I know that's your, that's what I know you for. So I'll, I'll stick, I'll stick to horror. All but right. um, I got, I got some questions for you. But um, bring it. So ever since I've known you, you were, um, I guess when we when we first met, you were a wild guy. Yeah, and in, in in high school, and then and then uh, so for some reason I took chorus my senior year, and yeah, I forgot about that. I got to sit right next to you and another young another young wild dude, <laughs> captain of the football team at that time, and um, Maddie K. Holly. Yes, and we were singing, and uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot that you were actually in chorus. Yeah, That's man. Great. Yeah, so um. So I think that's when I first realized that you could sing because obviously I could not. And it just was a class that I was taking. Um, and then from there, we transitioned out to you like doing this as a career and stuff like that. So when you did you start singing? I'm not mistaken. You said what now? You were tone deaf. I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, I was, no, I was deaf. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I just got I just had ear surgery in this ear because I've been deaf my whole life. <laughs> Like you came in there like I thought you. <laughs> y'all wanted me to do. Listen, I feel like they they try to set me up because they were trying to get me to do solos, and I was like, yeah. nah, nah, I'm not about to do that. Y'all not about to have me walking out of uh, high school looking like that. They're trying to put all the minorities in the front. Oh man, to- listen, <laughs> all six of us. Yeah. <laughs> Cor- Cor- you can't call it. You can't call a class chorus choir and expect a whole bunch of minorities to be in that class. Um. Yeah. And they, oh, never mind. But, uh, so, so you started singing. When did you start singing? I mean, like, professionally? Like, no, like, 
when did you, I guess, because for me, you didn't sing until I got into chorus with you. So, well, that's the thing. I mean, all right. So I've been singing, I guess, since I was a kid. Okay. But in my house, <laughs> like I, I, it started with like my dad's records. So I grew up in Costa Rica. I was born and raised in Costa Rica and I moved to the U.S. when I was 10. So during that childhood, like from age, you know, three to 10, I would say, I, um, I would play with my dad's records. He left all his music behind when he left. And um, I actually, that's how I got into music. Like I would, I'd find myself playing with GI Joes and throwing music in the background and like creating these like sequences with like my toys and the music. And I would put like a different style of music to it and create these visuals with my, um, yeah, with the toys and the music behind it. And I was a huge movie fan. So that kind of took, you know, it kind of was one with the other. A lot of 80s movies and 80s movies are known to have montages. I mean, they have, you know, all these different great songs that, you know, the Rocky movies. Let's just look at like Rocky Four, for instance. There's like six amazing songs that came out of that, you know? So right. I found myself always singing to that. And it was a great way for me to practice the English because English is my second language. Um, but it was that's what it was. I never thought I was like, Oh, I can sing. You know what I mean? Like I just sang because I think we all, when we're little, we sing to things, maybe not realizing if we're good or not. And, um, yeah, it's always been like that. Okay. When I finally, when I finally moved to the U S they had a chorus, it was like a select choir. It was called, and that was in sixth grade. Um, I auditioned, I made it. And I never went to any of the practices. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it, it was tough because, you know, it's just me and my mom and practices were after school and um, she had to work. So, I mean, it was it, like Ferland Highs in middle school was kind of far away from where, where I live. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I could just, there was no Uber back then. You know what I mean? Right. Like we couldn't just hop on Uber and, and, and head out. Um, it was one of those things where just kind of did what you could. So I couldn't do anything about that. And then finally, um, my freshman year in high school, I was like, I want to take some acting classes. And I took an acting class um, the spring semester, which was also the semester where they were auditioning for the musical. Mm -hmm. And my teacher at the time, Mrs. Van Dyke, was like, hey, you have a really nice voice. Have you ever considered doing a musical? And I was like, no. <laughs> And she's like, audition for it. And I did. And I got my first speaking part. And I did all the songs. And it was a lot of fun. It turns out I liked it. And then that's when things kind of started for me in a sense where I was like, oh, I can do something with this. Like, this is cool. Nothing to what I'm doing now, but just in a sense of like, yeah, I can carry a tune. Cool. Like, we, we can do something with that. Right. So same thing, sophomore, junior year, senior year. My junior year, I got the lead in the musical. I got to play Billy in the musical anything goes mm -hmm. um and that was like one of those moments where i was like wow like i'm getting recognized you know t enough to be a lead enough to play a blonde hair blue eyed kid which clearly i'm not You're not right um, so you know that was one of those things where i was like maybe i can do something with this you know and um when i graduated high school i was like let me try college let's see what that's about right you know but again single family 
don't have much money. It wasn't like I was amazing in school because I was I slacked all the time. I mean, I just I went there to just kind of go. I didn't you know put I didn't put the time into it knowing what I know now. I wish I did, but I didn't put the time into it for that. So when I went to county, I was working. I was trying to pay as I went. Um, I did go for music. I thought maybe I could do something. I went to choir and I just didn't care for it. You know, I right. just it was the the people. <laughs> no offense to, to choir people, but I was just man. Everybody was just kissing ass, brown nosing the hell out of one. I'm like, no, this isn't for me. Like, I don't want to be around this. Um, and I switched my major to criminal justice. I was like, I'm going to be a cop. I do you remember know? that. And I switched it. And. Then I met um, Andrew Roloff. You know Andrew. Of course. He was the one that was like, hey, uh, you know, I got this band that I'm in and we're looking for a singer. And the first time around, I was like, I know someone because I didn't think of me. I was just like, I know a dude. Like, he was good. I was like, he's really good. Mm -hmm. um, and Andrew would tell the story better than I could. But I think he did try out with them or something and it didn't work out. And then they reached out to me and I ghosted them. <laughs> Like, I just didn't, you know, I, I didn't do anything with that. And then finally, fast forward a couple of months, I kind of gave in and I was like, all right, let's try this out. And then that's really when the birth of what I do now started. Got you. Uh, um, I ended up doing, yeah. Let's stop. Let's pull. Let's go all the way back for a second. So let me ask you this. When when did you come to America? So how old uh, were you? Ten. Ten. You were ten. So you were ten. I was here before, so like I came here many times prior to. Okay. But officially, like to to park my ass here and live here. 10. Right. Ten. Yeah. Ten years old. Okay. So. It's like what, then, fourth or fifth grade, I think it was. Okay. So. Started singing in high school, or I guess started singing when you were a kid. Obviously, movies is a big thing for you. That's one of the things that I think I realized I did not know when I first came over your house, which is the <laughs> amount. <laughs> Of movies that you yeah, I was that. like yo this man has spent so much money on movies and video games it's out of control ridiculous yeah um so yes I was like okay he's a big movie fan didn't think anything more than that like he just enjoys movies then you had like this big old TV with this sound system and I'm like yo he's got like this nice setup to where you come over his house, you're going to watch a movie, it's going to be dope. You won't come over his house, you play video games, it's going to be dope. Um, so, Jay Ransom said the epic collection. Yes. <laughs> you ain't seen what, my house is being built. Next month it's done. You're going to see the epic collection. It, it, it's beyond what any of you guys have seen. It is, it, listen, it's just the, the hobby is still there. Just, you know. I, I feel like at this point it's a lifestyle for you. So. <laughs> So uh so you started you started in the band um and I remember it's funny uh Jay Ransom and I were talking post podcast last one and uh we were talking about the first time you heard your song on the radio <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> So if you want to tell us if you want to tell everybody what that story was So it was the first time for us getting played on on radio like i'm not talking am i'm talking fm it was um damn what was the station 105 no 105.5 wda yeah 105.5 wdha jersey rock and we were getting played lindsey klein at the time she was the dj 
and she was doing a spotlight on um, local bands, and we got put on that. And I told everybody, "We're in, we're in my mom's van, Big Blue. You remember that thing? Big, Big Blue. <laughs> stories with that van. Some are some I can tell, some I probably shouldn't for legal reasons. But um, I'm in the car. J- John's in the car. You're in the car." My mom's in the car. Definitely. And we're all, like, we're getting ready to listen. <laughs> time out. Wait, wait. Time out. So we could paint this picture properly. <laughs> so we're all in the van. We're in the driveway. Outside of his house. Outside of my house. And I'm like, there's no other way to listen to yourself. And, and the, the reality, that the dream come true of, like, being in the car and then your song comes on the radio. Like, it's super exciting. I am like, let's drive around while the song plays. <laughs> I'm so excited. I pop the van in reverse and I go right into a pole. <laughs> we didn't go anywhere. I was, oh. the, I missed part of that moment because I was like, oh damn, there's a pole half off, half off the freaking ground. My mom's van. My mother is upset, but she's trying to keep it cool because you know this is my moment. And I ruined it. <laughs> but so, uh, so yeah, so John and I were talking about that for a few days ago. But um, so play, get played on radio. I remember when um, you started opening for Axe mm-hmm. and you were going to pretty big venues opening for Axe and pretty big venues, um, I would say relatively quickly. Yeah. You had some success. Um, so tell me kind of how that, all happened so quickly because I feel like a lot of people, especially musicians, have a hard time transitioning from making music, you know, especially 2020, like SoundCloud rappers or whatever, to actually going to venues and performing. Well, I mean, it's a much different world now than it was then. So right. back then, we didn't have, you know, Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud. Um, we had, I think, MySpace. Yes. <laughs> and that was um, one way to communicate, but most of it was word of mouth. I mean, we ended up opening up for a band called Stone Sour, and after that, it pretty much was, you know, I mean, we busted our asses. Cause you have to, essentially, you have to pay to play. That's how it works. And not necessarily just walking in with a wad of cash, but selling tickets. Like, it's up to you to sell tickets. And you gotta have X amount of tickets, and if you sell X amount of tickets, then you get a better placement on the opening slot if there's more than one local band. But I, I think, I'm probably wrong, but I think for that show, we were the only local band to go on um, because Stone Sour, they, they had uh, a few other people touring with them that were friends of theirs. So I think it was just like three bands and then a local act opening. Okay. And after that, I mean, we busted our asses. We were going to the mall to sell tickets. We had no shame. I mean, if we follow somebody into the bathroom and be like, yo, I got tickets, you want some? I got tickets. <laughs> Wait. I would, I would have, like, don't even wash your hands, man. You know, nice doing business with you. Like, it was a hustle, and we were excited. We were young, we were hungry. And we did everything we could, man. And it paid off because we got to build a rapport with uh, one of the venues in Jersey, Starland Ballroom. Mm-hmm. Just would throw, you know, emails our way left and right when bands were coming in, and we started getting more and more gigs. And obviously, the more we did that, the more popular we became. And then we put more effort into creating an album to put out because, you know, you got to have people listening to stuff. And this is back then when people bought CDs, right? right? 
Um, now everything's download. I, I don't think I've made an actual record um, since back in that time. So it was, uh, yeah, it took off very fast. And that's actually, without getting too ahead of myself, that is one of the reasons why I am in the position that I am now um, and why I think that we didn't achieve all the success we could have right away because we were young kids. I mean, we were kids. Right. We, we started out in a basement. Um, it was love for music. We had fun doing it. It was a brotherhood. But then the business side started to trickle in, you know? I was going to ask you that. So do you guys, did? I don't remember it ever being like a manager. I remember you guys kind of managing oh, yourselves. Yeah. yeah. And in part, a lot of it, um, naturally, I started taking the leadership role in a sense, mm -hmm. you know? Kind of, you know, the the band was named one thing when I first came into it. I threw them the idea of changing it to a certain, a different name, and they went with it. Um, I would write a lot of the songs on the piano and kind of, you know, dictate kind of what the sound was going to be like, which direction we were going. Um, and, yeah, it just kept growing in that sense. You know, there was more responsibilities uh, happening and unfortunately like now looking back at it i was not i mean i was not the best person to be in a band with you know what i mean like i was i was so eager i was so hungry mm -hmm. that i didn't consider other people's mindset as much as i should have i didn't i didn't consider you know that not everybody's in the same men mental state as i was when it came to certain things so i put a lot of pressure on a lot of the guys i you know, was rude a lot of time. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't fun. <laughs> Let's okay. just put it like that. You know what I mean? And it's one of the things that I had to learn. I had to learn. I, you know, I, I made some great friends within that time within the band and I lost some friendships at the same time. There's some of the guys that I don't talk to anymore. Right. And, you know, rightfully so I get it. I wouldn't want to talk to me either if I was the guy that I was, but the business side is not something that you're necessarily taught. And especially if you don't have a manager, you're kind of figuring that out all on your own. So yeah, a lot of a lot of people talk about the ugliness of the music yeah. business, um, and just and how. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying this as it got more serious, like you know, business continues to increase, and we start then looking at things on a very different level. We're no longer kids in a basement just jamming out, writing music, and for the fun of it. We're now so focused on creating a specific sound and image and things. And now, oh, well, he doesn't look good in the band. Like, you know, like it became all of that stuff. That's like, yo, you got to wear this on stage. You can't wear that. But then it's like, well, that's how I am. Yeah, but you don't look like you're in the band. You got to wear this. Like, this is what sells. Right. You know, so it took the fun out of it. It made people, you know, angry towards me. And again, rightfully so. Like, I was so... I was so ready to, to just take everything, you know, and just explode, right? Like I was willing to do whatever, working full time, saving up money, putting all my money to it. I didn't care. And I expected everybody to do the same. So that, that, that's when things started going. Yeah. So um, I guess like, and this is, and that, that's hard. I think that's the hard part for anything when you try to get everybody on, going in the same direction at the same speed because um, there's just so many different things that people have going on things like that so funny story about Stone Sour's performance did I tell you this I had a whole thing to happen that day at the venue 
No. I um. So y'all were supposed to tell me. Y'all didn't tell me the right information in regards to this concert. I was coming there to support my brother. You know what I'm saying? It's the summertime. It's hot. I arrived to the concert in flip flops. Uh. <laughs> and I, I walk in and this the only other black guy who's there is like, yo, you ready? And I'm like, nah, what you talking about? He's like, are you ready to mosh? <laughs> what? And he has this mouthpiece and I'm like, what is about to happen? <laughs> Thankfully, I did. I was able to go back outside. I had Tim's in my trunk and I was able to go back outside. I had to like argue with the, the security. Like, do y'all see what's about to happen to my feet? My feet are about to be killed. Um, and this was all you were like in the background or interacting with fans and things like that. Uh, Jay Ransom was in a cut somewhere, like chilling. And then, and then, yeah, just, you know what I'm saying? Just looking, looking, looking super fly as usual. And, and I'm sitting over here like having a whole panic attack because my feet, which at that time paid the bills, um, were about to be crushed. Um, so you did the band, you guys, obviously, you know, you lost some relationships, things like that. Um, what transitioned you from the band and that capacity to, you know, being a film director and things like that? So how did that transition start for you? So one of the guys who was in the band, he was the guitarist. He knew, um, Kai Green's manager. So Kai Green is a professional bodybuilder in the, um, in the world of the IFBB. So he knew him because he used to be a bouncer at a nightclub in Passaic. And that's how they met. That's how they linked up. And um, whatchamacallit, um, he said to him, he's like, do you know if anybody does video? And then he recommended me. And now, before all that, I've always wanted to make something. I've always wanted to make movies and such. So at that time, unbeknownst to me, I was already doing things in preparation, I guess, for this moment. Right. I had cashed out my 401k and my pension at my job to buy uh, film equipment. I had bought, you know, a ton of stuff. Like I took my savings, essentially, and I said, I'm going to give this a go. Right. Right. And that was the moment where it was like where it was real, where it was something that could pay the bills. But I was also cautious. I told them I needed at least this amount per year. to be able to quit my job full time, to dedicate myself to you guys and to create what you want to create. Um, and for the first year, I worked part time. So I would do my full time job and then I'd leave my full time job and I'd drive into New York for late hours, you know, on a regular Monday through Friday. And I'd film from like 10 p.m. to about one or 2 a.m., drive home, just so that I could wake up at five, go back to my regular job. Oh my and I gosh. did that for an entire year. But I mean, I was, again, I was hungry, right? right? And at that moment, the band was like, everything was just kind of all over the place. It was pretty much done at that rate. So my focus was like, well, you know what? Like, I got to get serious. I got to, you know, the music thing isn't going to happen, blah, blah, blah. So I put all my focus and effort into that. That became a, a full-time gig. Um, Later down the road, I started shooting more with different people. I started networking because that's the way it goes. You start meeting people. You start going, you know, I'm going to, to film premieres in L.A. And I'm Frank Stallone, like 
what? How'd I get here? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like I, I was this dude picking coffee in Costa Rica. <laughs> Fast forward and I'm meeting my <laughs> my hero's brother because my hero is Sylvester Stallone, which I have yet to meet. Um, what's up, Frank? Uh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm out here doing these things. And, you know, I shot for these movies that are on Netflix, uh, Generation Iron 2, Generation Iron 3. So I got my IMDb credits now on that. Okay. Um, just filmed this last year, uh, my first uh, official short documentary. So that, that'll be my directorial debut, in a sense. Um, that's coming out next year. So there's there's a lot of stuff that is, you know, that, I mean, this whole filming thing has given me a lot of opportunities as well. Yeah, I mean, you, Um, I remember when I was, I don't even know when it happened. I think that I was either trying to, I think I was being nosy. And I was like, what, what is, what he got going on? What Chino got going on? And I, I peeked back in and then like, you were at the Arnold, I think, or something like that. And I was like, oh, shoot. Like, he's got all these people he's following. You know, obviously Kai is like, I think he won that year that you, um, and, um, and I was like, man. And I think from there, like it springboarded, like you just being everywhere in the world. Like I was like, he's in all these different types of countries. Um, so I guess, so if from my, my question is you said that you, when did you go? Did, did did that require you to go full time? And if it did not require you to go full time, how were you able to do that part time with your job? Well, no, it required me to go full time, so I quit. I quit my job. Okay, I took so a chance. You, you, okay, so you quit your job at that point. So this was year two, I guess, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I, uh, yeah. Two thousand and fifteen was my last year working in the corporate world. Okay. Two thousand sixteen, literally January twenty sixteen, I started with them, and. Everything changed. I mean, I took a big risk, obviously, not knowing what was going to happen. Um, you know, no health insurance, uh, nothing. Like, there's no security. There's no 401k. Remember, I told you, I took my 401k out, my pension out, to buy filming equipment. Right. So I had nothing. I had zero dollars. I was blessed that my mother never kicked me out of the house. <laughs> she was like, you know, Spanish families, we, we live with our parents until we don't ever have to move out if we don't want to, to be honest. Like, we could, we could get married and bring our wives to our home. And it's, that's <laughs> a normal thing. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I was blessed in that sense that I didn't have to worry about paying rent or anything. But yeah, I mean, my life changed completely in 2016. And, uh, you know, funny enough, like I never took anything for film school. I never, I never went to film school. I never right. took that's, so, I so learned, go ahead. I learned, I learned to edit everything myself because I was making videos for the band. That's that's where it started. I was like, oh, I can do this. You know, I had a laptop that somebody gave me. I don't even know who it was. I think it was my ex-girlfriend at the time. Either she gave it to me or I took it and ran. I don't remember. It's not important. Anyways, um, I just started making videos. I was putting together these like, um, I forget what the title was, but it was, um, I was doing like cover songs or we were doing cover songs. I'm sorry. So we were filming things. I was editing it, putting it out. And I just was very excited, you know. At that time, I had no idea that what I was doing was essentially practice for what was going to be thrown at me, and I had to adapt quick. I had to say yes and pretend like I knew what the hell I was doing, right? Because you know, you fake it till you make it, kind of thing, right? Right. So that's that's what that was, and um, it just I just never stopped learning. Just kept so, doing it. um, 
So I guess when when you started you started recording for Kai and things like that, I'm sure other people started reaching out to you, yeah. um, and obviously you just being in that area and just in in his environment, people were like, "Well, who's that guy? Who's that guy?" Um, I saw your reach like propel in regards to like social media and things like that because you were obviously creating content now, quality content um, with you know a, a high profile bodybuilder. So did the did the new attention? I guess it wasn't new attention. It was just attention from a different source. So you had you always had like you know you had the attention from high from high school when you were doing a musical in the lead, and then you were the lead singer of a band and things like that. This was a little bit different where you were kind of behind but you were still getting a lot of attention so i guess was that anything different for you how did it how did that how did you handle that yeah i mean it was it was different because it was, i was behind the scenes so i wasn't i wasn't i was no longer the talent right you are but you're not you're the talent in the sense that you're creating you know content for somebody else and there's a certain you know level of like appreciation for that a lot of a lot of and I hate using the word, but a lot of videographers don't get the acknowledgement or respect that they really deserve because they're the ones that really do a lot to create for the people that you watch and you love. And it's a lot of it's 90 percent of what they're doing that makes, you know, those people that you follow that much more successful. And it's it, it, for me, it was interesting because I never wanted the spotlight, but I always wanted um, recognition for the work. I wanted to, it, I didn't need to be, you know, oh, like tell everybody who I am kind of thing. But if somebody asks, tell them, you know, if somebody, if, if somebody's like, who made this, tell them because I'm proud of the work that I'm doing. Right. So in that sense, that was one of the things where it was frustrating because in this world that I came in of bodybuilding and all that, they don't really, they don't do that. You know, they just kind of they 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 fail to mention who did what. You know, okay. And then you start seeing little things, and you start you know, oh, okay, so that's how it is. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, so you pay my mouth shut. Cool. Just 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 stand over there, do what I tell you to do. It came out awesome. Keep doing it, and just just you just you just over there. You just that guy. So, <laughs> all right. So now, you know, obviously. The title of the the podcast today is Lone Wolf. It's the journey of an artist. And so we're at a place now where Lone Wolf is an identity that you've created um, in the band in a sense. So I guess what is your, how did you come to call yourself that? Um, and what does it mean for you right now? So Yeah, so Lone Wolf really came from the frustration, um, all the anxiety, the depression, the failures um, of music. You know, after after Static Silence, so it started out as Life Without Warning. Life Without Warning then became Static Silence. And Static Silence was where there was the biggest success, but it was also the the beginning of the end. It was, you know, the business was, I mean, at an all-time high, we, we had gotten Clint Lowry from the band Seven Dust to produce our debut release. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of money put into that. 
there was a lot riding on that. You know, we got our our shows with them uh, lined up. You know, we're being mentioned on the radio for this show, like like an actual like I'm not talking like now being played on the radio, but I mean like those you know those advertisements bands coming up and they mention all the names, the guy's cool voice voiceover whatnot. Right. But things were getting serious, and then. Um, you know, one guy quits. We try to replace him with somebody else very quickly. Um, it just became a mess. There was a ton of stuff going on. There was a bunch, bunch of different personalities that were clashing. At that point, it wasn't fun. I was probably the biggest dick I've ever been in my life at that time. Um, and once that kind of finished off, I was angry. I was frustrated. Um, didn't really know what to do. So. I reached out to a friend and I was like, yo, let's start something. I know your band is done. Let's put our talents together and create kind of like a super group. Then we had Ronin. So Ronin was the next thing. And Ronin was very similar to Lone Wolf in the sense of the uh, the title. So Ronin, uh, I'm big on Japanese culture. And right. if, you, if you don't know what Ronin is, Ronin is a, it's a masterless warrior. It's right. somebody who, who used to serve for somebody and they got cast away. So I felt like a castaway and I felt like, these guys who I was with were also castaways, so we were Ronin, right? Okay. And it was it was fun while it lasted, but artistically things were different there. And I started messing around with another band in Virginia called Digital Collapse, and I was driving from Jersey to Virginia once a week to rehearse. God. So I was driving on a Wednesday, three hours later, get to Virginia, rehearse, drive back another three hours because I had work the next day. Um, Hold on, wait, come out, come out, come out. First of all, how fast were you driving to get to Virginia? <laughs> three fast. hours, bro. Very fast. Dude. Yes, you're gonna have to. Because I'm like three hours. You like you you might yeah. be in Baltimore, might be yeah. in West Virginia. You were in Virginia in three hours. Three and Man. a half, the most. Push it, yeah. going. And you know that was that was exciting because these were guys that actually had recorded at the same studio where we had recorded at. And they were great dudes, but then I started clashing a lot with the the guitarist. The guitarist was like kind of the creator of the group. He was the one who, you know, really had a lot to say with the image, the sound, the songs. And we were just clashing a lot. And at that time, I didn't know it, but I was suffering hardcore with my depression. Like I was, I wasn't right. I wasn't right at all. Um, my exact my anxiety was through the roof too, and. It was just one of those things where I didn't know it at that time. And the bass player um, ended up passing away. And that was one of those things where it just, I just stopped going. It wasn't even like, again, it wasn't even like, all right, I don't want to do this. Stop going. That's how bad I was that I was, I was just throwing away relationships left and right. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't being respectful to anybody because I was angry. I was sad. And I kept blaming everybody else, essentially. You know, I could have already been doing this. This I could have, I could have, I could have, I could have. When I just had to stop and say, maybe the problem is me, you know. I, I have a problem, and I got I to gotta calm down. So after Digital Collapse, I kind of went dark. I didn't do anything. I started kind of creating stuff on my own under Chino, just the stage name. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just very much piano-driven it was very, very um, sad. It was really no brightness to any of the music that I was making. It was just very, very much the same tone and, and feel. It was, 
it was a time where I was just really music was kind of helping me cope through things that I, again, I didn't really understand and know. Right. And then, uh, finally in, uh, 2018, yeah, 2018, when we moved to Florida, um, my wife, I had a conversation with her. She's like, are you ever going to do? No, I'm done. Realistically, you're never done with music. If you're, if you're, or anything, if you're an artist, whatever artistry it is that you're involved in, um, you can't escape it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know. <laughs> if you have a passion for something and you're truly an artist in that field, there's, there's not like, you can say, oh yeah, I'm not doing it anymore, but it's a part of you. You know what I mean? And for me, music is a part of me and I've tried to ignore it. I try to ignore it from like 2017 up um, and it just was always there. And I said to Nina, I was like, no, nah, I can't do it. You know, at that time um, she was pregnant mm. and I'm like, we're about to have a baby. We just moved to a new state. We're broke. <laughs> like, what? I don't know anybody here. You know, she's like, well, maybe you don't need anybody. You know, just kind of do it yourself. Like you've always had these ideas. You're always, I am very opinion, opinion. Ugh. I have very big opinion of things and I want things done a certain way. And I'm, you know, I'm always taking leadership or whether you want to call me a tyrant, whatever the case is. I don't care. Um, and it was one of those things where I was like, all right, let's give this a go. I reached out to somebody who we had played shows with in the past, um, and told them my situation and said, Hey, uh, you know, I don't have anybody. I want to create music. I want to create, you know, metal, hard rock. You know, I got a lot of anger in me. I want to get it out. And right. I, I, this is something I've always wanted to do. I won't just want to just kind of let loose and just do my thing. And he's like, I can get guys here to, to play for you. You know, you just come down here and we give it a shot. Um, so I booked my first song. Um, I got Morgan Rose, the drummer of Seven Dust, to... Um, come in as a producer he ended up drumming on the song uh and it was an amazing experience and i thought it was going to be a one and done kind of thing okay like i genuinely thought that, that was it and then um you know again i got ideas my brain's going crazy so i reach out again in october of 2018 i was like hey man <laughs> I want to write another song. So this is all happening in Illinois, by the way. So I'm flying back and okay. forth. All right. Um, so I fly out to Illinois. I record this other song. And then I start thinking to myself, I'm like, how do I want to do this? Like, I'm sorry, that was September. I'm like, how do I want to do this? Like, I'm just really, I'm going to release this under my name. Nobody's going to care. Nobody cares, especially not in this genre. I'm like, how are you, what am I going to do? So I'm like, I need to come up with a name. I need to come up with a, a name that people think is a band or whatever they want to call it, um, but they don't associate it to a person, like a singer. It's not like, oh, Chino Marin, have you heard it? No, like people, especially in hard rock and metal, they like to, they like a name. You know, they, they want to wear a t-shirt that has a, a name that has some meaning to it right. and feeling whatnot. And Something like, that they can identify with as well. Yeah. So I didn't really, you know, think of, lone wolf at that moment i was just like i need to come up with something you know um the irony was that that song that i went to record in september the cover of that song was originally a wolf the song was titled unbroken and i was 
dead set on having this wolf. It was a wolf looking down and he was just staring right at you and he just had this look to him, this menacing look, you know, like, treat me right, I'll take care of you, do me wrong, your life's over kind right. of thing. Like it just, there was a threat to it. And I had put the wolf picture there and I had written my name and I do all my editing. So video, photo and all that stuff, I do it myself. So it's very easy to, you know, come up with these things and, and put them out. And I had put my name on the front and I created this triangle around the name. I was like, well, let me pick, let me pick a symbol, something that's, that's strong and that people that resonates with people. Triangles for whatever reason, Illuminati, whatever you want to call yeah. it, mm-hmm. people, they just, they're drawn into a triangle. So then that's when I was like, well, we've always had these games where we play with friends where they come over. It's like, describe if uh, such and such is an animal, what th- would they be? Describe this person as an animal. And I was always told I was a wolf. That was always like thing, like the people that really know me, they're like, yeah, he's got the mindset of a wolf, you know, like a lone wolf kind of thing. Um, and again, it hadn't it hadn't dawned on me. Like it just was still, it was right in front of me. And at that time I still was messing around with some weird names, you know, but the answer was always in front of me. Finally, Post Malone comes out with his latest album, uh, Hollywood's Bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was excited. I'm a big Post Malone fan. I get in my car and I pop it in. I don't pop it in. I hook up my freaking phone to the car. What am I saying? I'm, pop- I'm popping in my... You popped uh, pop- 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 the CD in the... I pop it in my six seat. I pop the trunk and then I put it in my 20 disc Oh chain my gosh. Anyways, uh, and Hollywood's Bleeding, the first song is the title of the album. And I just remember hearing the first 10 seconds of it, you know, and then he comes on, Hollywood's Bleeding, bam. And I was just like, yo, this is a metal song right here in the making. This is hard rock. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, I've never done a cover like that. You know what I mean? Like, I've never thought I'm going to spend money on making somebody else's song into another song. Like, right. that's, to me, that I find that kind of stupid. Well, I'm like, ah, oh, man called up Jose again, the guy from a producer, and I'm like, I got another song. Can I come in? Yeah. Set it up. Happened within a few weeks. Flew back to Illinois and I recorded Hollywood's Bleeding with Jose and Justin. Justin, um, he came in and has been part of all the songs since Hollywood's Bleeding. He's also in the music video for Hollywood's Bleeding. He's the mm-hmm. guitarist. He's the one that, he's the guy that has the second verse in there. Okay. Has been, I mean, if it wasn't for Justin, to be honest with you, like, I don't know if Lone Wolf would exist. You know what I mean? Justin's, I can't say anything negative about the dude. The guy is so freaking talented. I mean, he just, it's, it's hard to be in the same room with him. You know what I mean? Like, he's just that talented. He can play every instrument and he makes me feel stupid. Like, he just makes me feel stupid. Like, what am I doing here? How am I even, like, I can't, you know? Shout out to him, his band Allborn. Check them out. They're great. Anyways, come back from Illinois, and I'm like, what do I do? I got to do something. And I'm in the car with my wife, and I'm listening to this band called Any Given Day. They're a metal band from Germany. And I'm not paying attention. This is my first time listening to this. And I'm not paying attention to my console where it tells me the band's name, the the album and the song title, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just listening to the song. I'm vibing. And then, excuse me, in the chorus, the guy goes, I am a lone wolf. And I was like, 
lone wolf, like, <laughs> the whole time, right? And I'm looking at my photos now. I'm like, yo, are you serious? It's been in front of me this whole time. I, no lie, I was 10 minutes away from the house when that song was playing and I heard the chorus. And my wife goes to me, I really love this song. And I looked at her before I even said anything to her about the name. And I was like, you do? She's like, yeah. And I took that as another sign. I was like, you love this song. You don't really listen to this kind of music, but you love this song. I see the name of that song and I love how that name looked on the on the center console. I loved how it said Lone Wolf. I love the the just the there's something about that name, Lone Wolf. You know, it's it's simple, but it says a lot without saying a lot, right? right it just right. it can describe anything, anyone, um, any situation. I got home, I went on my computer, went on Google, created the email, went on Instagram, saw that nobody had this is Lone Wolf, created that, created Twitter, created Facebook. Everything in five minutes after I got home, and I was like, this is it. Now I need a plan. I need to do this the right way. It's a different world that I'm living in. Music is not the same as it used to be. You don't really have to go out and play shows like you used to. So I made a plan as to what I was going to do with my releases, how I was going to go about it, what this year was for me in terms of like the, the success of Lone Wolf and all that. Mm-hmm. So that's when everything came about and I resonated with Lone Wolf. I mean, it was one of those things where I I felt alone for the longest time. Like I really did. I felt alone and I felt like, you know, just, and a lot of it was my own fault because I was pushing people, but it was also one of those things was like, I can't expect everybody to be on the same exact page that I'm at. So I, I need to, I need to be able to, to do these things learn from my mistakes and try to, you know, just be better, you know, and that's kind of the, the mentality and the, the, the thought process behind Lone Wolf. Like I want to be better. I want to be able to um, take care of those closest to me. I don't, you know, my life, I've lost more friends than I've made and it's for a reason. I, I really am. I, I'm very exclusive. Like I, I have a very, very small intimate space i don't let many people see anything as you know chino marin is a stage name it's not my government name a lot of people don't know my government name only the ones that knew me from school and whatnot and i plan to keep it that way because i don't that's not relevant you know right like i want to create something that embodies all of the years of frustration anger sadness depression anxiety and put it together into one package and that's that's lone wolf so yeah all right that's the short that's, answer. That's what's up, man. I um, that's the short answer. Do you have if 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 I'm a singer right now, and I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to get started with my my particular band or whatever. Do you have any any type of advice that you would give for me, um, right now? No. <laughs> no. None. Don't don't do what I did. Don't do don't do what you did. Um, be honest. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the people around you. Um, don't take anybody for granted. That's huge. That's huge. I um I think a a revolving theme that's been uh and that, something I've I've always valued about you is that you've always like had like this work ethic that like from a very young age that I wish I had when I was that young. And you also have this um 
this willingness to put everything on the line. And um, it's easy to put everything on the line when you have nothing. <laughs> no, I mean you, you you put a 401k. You put I mean you put everything up several times in yeah. your life where you were like me. I'm like, nah, I gotta <laughs> I gotta hold on to something. And I think that for a lot of people, they feel like they have to hold on to something because they don't actually fully believe in what it is that they're doing or they don't believe in themselves. And I think that that's always been uh, something that, especially at a younger age, that I, I admired about you. So I was like, yo, Dave just always has his stuff together. But it was just your level of confidence about how you just carried yourself and what you had going on and things like that. Um, and, you know, some it's a very thin line between confidence and arrogance and, you know, being you know, really, really difficult to deal with and, you know, lack of empathy, things like that. Um, but I feel like that's helped you every step of the way, just you being able to believe in yourself and saying, hey, I can do that. Even in when you're doing the video editing and director role, you're like, yeah, I can do that. You had no idea really what you were doing. Um, and then you come back in and you like you're learning this stuff on the fly um, if you hadn't done it already. And it's just because you just believed in yourself. Um, So I think that that's a huge component that a lot of people miss. Um, And I wanted to just sit there and just tell you that, that that's something I've always admired about you. Um, All right. So we know who Lone Wolf is. Don't start crying. Um, I learned a lot about you today because I did not know that you had all that different stuff going on. Um, But we're going to do this movie trivia, man. All right. Get my phone so I can cheat. Ah oh, man, now nah, put your put your phone down. You should you should you should be able to get these. I, I think I think this these are gonna be pretty easy. In the movie Scream, what hold was on, one on. of the cardinal rules of scary movies? Hold on, I I got a close grinder. Give me a second. What were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody come get him. In the movie Scream, what was one of the cardinal rules of scary movies? Oh, um, uh, I can never have sex. No. What? Is never say I'll be right back. That's another one of the rules. And it is, oh, I, no, 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 you're right, because it does say engages in hanky-panky. My bad. That's no, no, there, there's them. So there's, yeah, you can never have sex. Um, obviously, you can't drink, can't do drugs. Yes. Um. You can never say you'll be right back. Right. Because James says, because he won't be back. And then it cuts to Matthew Miller going, I'll be right back. And then they're all like, oh. Perfect. Perfect. All right. So when Child's Play, what did Chuck, uh, why did Chucky hurt John? He was trying to get into his body. Right again. Right again. Um, In A Nightmare on Elm Street, what animal is seen in Tina's Nightmare? Oh damn! The first one? Yes, in a nightmare on Elm Street. What animal is seen in Tina's nightmare? A dog? No, it rhymes with damn. It rhymes with damn? Yes. Lamb. It's a lamb. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
work not there. <laughs> he was like, like, he was like, like that's that's the last thing I was ever damn, thinking. Ma'am, like, he's like, he's like, he's like an animal that rhymes with damn. Um, damn. which I'm blanking out with that scene. Which film is about a new evil lurking six months after the incidents with the video? I'm going to ask that question again because I asked it weird. Which film is about a new evil lurking six months after the incidents with the video? Incidents with the video. Six months after incidents with the video. Yes. Is it The Ring? Yes, The Ring 2. Very good, Dave. Okay. I'm a little disappointed with Nightmare on the Street. I'm not going to. It's it's all good. Uh, in the in the Silence of the Lambs, which city is Doctor Lecter imprisoned in? I don't know. Fun fact: I actually, I'm not really a fan of that movie. Okay, is is Baltimore? Okay, Baltimore. Yeah. We gonna keep it going. True or false? Michael Myers escaped from a federal penitentiary. Uh, penitentiary. False. Okay. Do you know where he escaped from? Theatric hospital. Okay, very good. In the movie Seven with Brad Pitt, who was murdered for the deadly sin of pride? Ooh. 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 <laughs> oh. I. Um. It's an occupation, by the way. So it's not like. Oh. A, it's, you're not talking about the actor. Yeah, no, no, just just the occupation. Uh, Plastic surgeon? Close. It was a model. Model. I'm sorry. Model. Okay. And uh, They're Here is from what movie? Oh, Poltergeist, man. Easy yeah. enough, man. Um, That's all I got, man. That's all I got in regards to questions. You know your stuff, man. Yeah. You know your yeah, stuff. A Nightmare right. on Elm Street. I, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I got you on that one. But you thank did, you so, did. so much. Um. This was fun. I learned, like I said, I learned a lot about you. Um, is there anything you want to point people in directions? Obviously, we will have links in the descriptions and things like that. But is there anything that they should be looking out for immediately right now? I know you got some stuff uh, that they can yep. go. It's on Pornhub. Check that out. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. What, okay. what are we searching? What are we searching? Uh, dudes on dudes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? Uh, no. Don't mess up my algorithm. <laughs> you got people searching porn. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, man. Um, I got a new song coming out next month. Music video coming out as well. Um, EP is going to be out Christmas of this year. I already got two songs in the bag for the second EP. So, I mean, you know, check out. Go on social media, on Instagram. I'm trying to grow up. In- I... I- Man, it's tough out here for us dinosaurs. I'm not. I'm not good with this social media thing. You got to be on it 24 seven. I got a daughter. You know, I got a life. I got things going on, and it's hard to be in there. And you're not. Hold on. Wait. Wait. You're not. You're not putting your daughter and your wife on your Instagram. No. No. That's, I am. That's the cheat code, man. No, but I can't put them on. On this long open. <laughs> that's the. You know. Yes. No. It's it's tough. It is. It is something that I'm struggling with as well. On Instagram, follow me there. Um, okay. I, I post as much as I can. You know, YouTube, uh, Hollywood's Bleeding is blown up. It's got over 200,000 views on it now. Um, it's continuing to go up, and it's the reason why I'm getting more subscribers coming in. Um, we're almost at that 10,000 stream mark on Spotify. Wow. Which is great. 
Uh, you know, it's we're literally less than like 400 streams away from that. Which is super insane. You were um, you were featured on a playlist as well, weren't you? Yeah, I was on three different playlists. Okay, for Unbroken. So awesome. That awesome. was cool. Um, yeah, I think that's it. All know. right, man. Well, I definitely oh, definitely appreciate. I'm gonna be on Twitch next month. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because I I play Call of Duty, so if anybody thinks they can beat me, <laughs> try me. <laughs> try me. Easy. I played with the other night. Jared needs to upgrade his microphone, his headset, and he needs to stop sucking booty. Cause just it's let me just say something about Chino. Let me say something about Chino Marino when he plays Call of Duty. The man over here shooting at me. He, he killed me. Is an ent- he killed me three times in one game. He is an ent- an entire ninja, and he does not need to ever be where he is in hardcore on Call of Duty. He, it, just right in with the whole enemy thing. I'm sitting. I'm, I, I don't even know. I'm shooting at him because he's not. He, nobody else on the team is there except for him. That's right. Five times as we're playing, but he is a beast. I will give him that. Um, so yeah, follow him on Twitch. Follow him on Insta. Um, and I'll, I'll have links in the descriptions everywhere for those. Uh, so make sure you go and also YouTube as well. Uh, check out his his covers is and his songs are, are super dope. Um, Chino, thanks again, brother. Yeah, thank you. This for was fun. Um, we're gonna do this again. We'll bring you back for for some other things. I feel like you got a plethora of knowledge and on things that just, even though you be nonchalant about.